Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Before we start, a message from my sponsors. The Card Wallet is the ideal solution to store your Bitcoin keys in the medium and long run. No software updates needed, it's 100% offline, it leaves no traces on the blockchain if you give it away as a gift or inheritance. With the card wallet, you'll get one Bitcoin address, you can send Bitcoin to it whenever you wish, and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. That's it. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House, who is also the producer of Austria's passports, and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita and get 20% off. When this episode is published, I'm already traveling Zimbabwe and Botswana for a while to research the Bitcoin usage there. Because we always talk about that Bitcoin has such a great use case in countries like Venezuela and Zimbabwe, where there is hyperinflation. So I was interested in, is this really true? And do people really use Bitcoin there or do they use something else? My guest today is Randy Brito. He's from Venezuela and I asked him exactly these questions. And in the coming week, I have an episode coming up with Connie Gallippi. Connie is the CEO and founder of BitGive, a non-profit organization that uses Bitcoin and blockchain technology to bring funds from donors to organizations in countries like Kenya and Venezuela. And now have fun while listening to Randy Brito. Today's guest is Randy Brito. He's from Venezuela and lives now, I think, everywhere in the world. And uh, we are meeting here um, two days before the Lightning Conference in Berlin. And... Um, Yes, please. Randy, introduce yourself um, so that our listeners know who you are. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm Randy Brito. I'm the founder of BitcoinVenezuela.com and I'm the CEO of Locha Mesh, which we are build where we are building open source software and hardware mesh network devices. What did you do before you discovered Bitcoin and when did you hear about Bitcoin the first time? Well, uh, before I started reading about Bitcoin in Uh, Bitcoin talk back in 2011. Before that, I dedicated to uh, learning about economics and understanding the situation in Venezuela from the political uh, point of view, but also from the economical point of view. And finding, uh, I, I found Bitcoin uh, back in April 2011. And there was, there were so many information about economic and ocean economics and and the region of money and all and all the things that I wanted to share with people in my language in Spanish. Um, and I founded BitcoinVenezuela.com for that in October 2012 as a non-for-profit organization for education about Bitcoin. Can you say the name again, please? Bitcoin Venezuela. Ah, Bitcoin Venezuela. In 2011. Uh, it was in 2012. Oh, that's very yeah, early. Yeah. After a year reading about Bitcoin, I didn't... Um, talk with anyone on chat or even sign up to Bitcoin Talk after a year later when I 
I was really into the matter and reading and all the economics and also understanding uh, who um, actually made Bitcoin, why there was so many uh, mysteries behind it, you know, and there were people scared about who really built it and all the stuff. So it, back then you could read like all the new posts in a day in Bitcoin Talk and you were like, you can go through all the the new one, new post in the day and you could read all of it. Even if there was like tests, very, very long ones, but you learn a lot about it. You could read back what Satoshi was sharing years ago, like a couple of years ago or something like that. So it was very interesting and it was a really good time to stay there because it was really uh, like the early days. Mm -hmm. And what was the economical situation at that time in Venezuela? Well, in Venezuela, there was in place, um, Capital control, foreign exchange control since 2003, yeah, 2003. And, and it's been um, back then in 2011, there was already like almost 10 years of control, uh, price control, money control, foreign exchange transfers. And the country was completely disconnected from the banking, from the online, uh, from the international banking system. So um When I found out about Bitcoin and how it could be used to pay others uh, borderless and how you could do it without ha having to go through the traditional banking system, without having to go through the uh, um, imposed controls that ask you to sign up if you want to send any money or request a foreign currency in the country, in this case, in, it was in Venezuela. I, I realized that Bitcoin was the tool that some Venezuelans, some Venezuelan will be using to circumvent all these controls. So I wanted them to learn about this. And I started with the bitcoinvenezuela.com website. Um, as translating into Spanish, uh, useful tools. I started, for example, with Electron Wallet in, um, late 2011. I translated it into Spanish and then turned to be the manager of translation of the wallet and also community manager and website and all the things back in 2012, 2013. Did you, have you been at the university at the time or, or, or learning? I mean, or did you have a job or was that then your full-time job in a way? Well, I coded the web, the latest version of the website, uh, which is Sadly, the same one that is right now online, <laughs> uh, during university classes. So mm -hmm. I basically dropped out of the university in 2013 and I stopped going there. I started learning other things, uh, remotely, mostly from my house and, and learning from others. And I started going to economic classes and, and libertarian speakers that attend, that went to Uh, where the place I lived. So I started attending there and learning from them directly. So you left Venezuela very early? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. Be because of the living situation there or why? Yeah. After the 2002-2003 um, situation in, in the country, it started getting worse for the medium class. So they started um the persecuting the middle the middle class and the entrepreneurs and company owners so we left the country back then and and that's why i had the the the, the chance to see the situation from outside of the box so i was capable of understanding what their difficulties um payments bank transfers or even 
commerce, like free commerce, started degrading in, in the few years after the 2004, 2006, and, uh, and how um, imports, exports were completely controlled by the government and everything will uh, needed to go through then. It, it's still that way. So now people, um, 10 years later, now they use Bitcoin to get things in and out of the country. They get money in and out of the country using Bitcoin. But I've heard that they exchange it immediately. Or do they really like use it to send it from another country to the people there and they can buy in Venezuela something with Bitcoin? Or do they change it to their local currency? Well, after many years working on educating people on how to use Bitcoin for whatever need they have, uh, some people use it for that. It's like some people use it as uh, payment rails only. So they buy the Bitcoin in Venezuela and send them elsewhere and then convert that into other currencies, for example, for for fleeing money out of the country. But um, there are also people who earn the Bitcoins inside Venezuela and keep them. They keep them in, uh, some of them keep it in custodial wallets, but some of them have learned through us to use non-custodial wallets and they control their private key themselves and they keep it in Bitcoin. Um, not only because um, it is um, like the most liquid currency in the country right now. So you have Bitcoin, you can turn that into anything you want anywhere in the world. And you can turn that into food, for example, in Venezuela, even if you have to first exchange that to local currency, it's like a matter of minutes. And you, you get someone in local bitcoins and you get believers like in a minute and you are already buying something or you get the bitcoin directly to buy from um, some supermarket in the US and the food is delivered to a box in uh, Miami and it, um, and a courier gets that into your, uh, to your door in Venezuela, like in one day or two. So it's like you can go shopping in, into the uh, supermarket or you can buy using Purse.io and buy something on Amazon and get uh, some discount because you are paying in Bitcoin and you can do all that if you have the Bitcoin. So, so people keep the Bitcoin, but other also turn, um, like convert that instantly to Tether or Dai or any other currency which is more stable um, for them, but they keep it in that way in the cryptocurrency, so they can turn back into Bitcoin if they need it, or they can uh, add funds to a, a virtual credit card that they use to buy things on the online. How many people? I mean, how was the development in terms of how many people use Bitcoin or are like on your website informing themselves? You know, is there any correlation to the 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 Bitcoin price in a way? Also, like uh, more people using it worldwide, also more people use it in Venezuela, or is it is there a jump or something like that? Well, the, there there is obvious correlation when the price goes up. There is more. Uh, Publicity, more people talk about it. So more people see it like a way to, to not only make money, but also they take the time to understand it and they, they use it. Even if they use it on custodial wallets, they are already using it in some way. Um, but the, for example, talking about the numbers of people who use it like regularly is not many people. There, there is, there is only like, 30 million people population in the country, like 4 million more outside the country have already fled the country. Um, the, 
there is around there, there must there shouldn't be more than three hundred thousand people understanding actually what Bitcoin is or using it, and the rest of the uh, population may have heard about it from the government themselves, from us, from people who make talks in the country and uh, meetups and all the stuff, but they don't use it or they they are afraid of it or they don't understand it. But I don't I myself don't think that there are more like three hundred thousand people who really use it. And this is, and like, um, trying to guess the number because the actual numbers that we could like try to use, like an exchange that have users that have verified, have made a purchase or something. That's something that is not public. That is something that you cannot actually get information from. But the latest number was around 100,000. Um, and it was like several years ago. It was like 2015 or something like that. So it's not accurate right now but it's, it's around like three times four times that number now hmm. and you you know people who have fled the country with the help like with bitcoin yes 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 we 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 have um teach people taught people how to use bitcoin um some of them have even contacted us years later that they have they are really grateful because they have been able to even take their 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 family like their closest relative out of the country just by uh holding some bitcoin for some months some years or because they have some gigs and works for people outside the country and there are people who've basically made like uh um, side job uh, earning on bitcoin and they had the courage to keep it on bitcoin because they ne they actually didn't use it back then and then a few months later they had enough money to get like a, f a, f a family of four out of the country with that money and it's something that most people don't have access to because even if you work a lot in the country you are only paid in the local currency not only because it is enforced by the government to do so because it's it's is the um the, the forced currency inside the country but it's also because companies or or your employers if they make any dollar they are for sure not giving it to their employees they keep it for themselves because that's the way they also uh, keep the, the the company running and also how they are making their like savings outside the country or making some uh, dollars in cash for them. So they are not paying their employees in, in, in foreign currency, which I think they should be doing. So, so if people are not capable of making that money, they should be making Bitcoin because that way they can keep the money for themselves and it works anywhere in the world. Yeah. Talking about authorities and yeah, uh, corporations, but mainly authorities. I've heard that uh, authorities have confiscated miners and threatened miners. What what happened here? Well, back in 2015, what happened is that there, there were people mining. There were people mining from 2011, 2012, 2013. That was like very underground. People who understand understood a lot about it. They were very technical. But then in 2015, it was more common. People were mining... Um, and Zcash and Ethereum and other currency that could be like in 2016. There were the other currencies that didn't need uh, an ASIC back then, but they have the computers, they have the graphic cards, so they were learning about it and they were mining. Um, when people started making money out of it, they started also buying ASICs. Now the authorities, um, find out about this. They understood that this is a way to make money on their homes. 
on other people's homes too. So they were basically extorting people to keep the devices running by giving them but giving them a chunk of the money or a part of it. So this extortion was like how, how they operated back in 2016, 2015. But there, there were some cases of some people being um, jailed or, or their devices being confiscated. And the, the real sto- story uh, behind this is that some people were extorted to pay uh, authorities, police, um, high ranking officials, even the government themselves, governors, all the way, oh, they were all starting all these young people who, who were making, like, uh, spending all the, uh, the savings that they have in, in foreign currencies, dollars to buy this ASICs and have it in their houses. And they, they were starting them. And when they started, they, they, uh, stopped, uh, making payments for the extortion, extortion, they sent the police to their houses. So okay. that's the, the basically what like the mafia. Uh, yeah. Um well this is a uh, government is a mafia. Yeah it is only backed by votes, but it's the same <laughs> in my opinion. In that, yeah, in that case, yeah. Of course. Um so those politicians and people they got their bribes in Bitcoin? Yes. Yeah. In dollars, so, bitcoins, Monero, they mine they mine Monero, mm-hmm. they they there uh, there are some um talks about it. Like some people talk about it, that they mine uh, also ether and they have like huge farms, mining farms now. And it, it, it used to be very like secretly kept by uh, if you were extorted by the government or a police or, or any other criminal, they basically don't say anything. You just pay when you are not capable of paying anymore because the price half goes down or your devices stop working or you send one, uh, one of the ASICs for uh, maintenance and that person stole the device from you because he scammed you or something. The police came to your house and as you stopped making the payments for the extortion, they prosecute you for stealing uh, electricity or something like that or, or, and they also like add some uh, accusations to you so they can process you because you stopped paying the ransom. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did the police find out who is mining because of the electricity use or how? Yeah, some, some people say that it's uh, the electricity use that they analyze that, but it's more like people has big mouth. So they start talking about it. They have friends and uh, on other things. They are uh, still some uh, problems, um, uh, politics. So people basically are against each other. They go to business, like let's start mining together. Even if we don't believe in the same politics or the same economic, economic ideas. And then when there is some kind of fight between them, they basically give the other to the police. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that the, uh, government or Maduro um, invent the Petro? <clears throat> well, the, there are some young people, very technical people who understand a lot about this uh, cryptocurrency thing and they are in the country and some of them are very close to the government. So they are basically advisors for the government. So they advise the government in things like very traditional things like uh, you should be keeping money in yuan, you should be keeping money in uh, r- rubles or and euros and dollars. But these are 
more young people and they understand cryptocurrencies. So they start telling the government officials that you should have some Bitcoin, you should have some Ether. So if you need to pay some people uh, without anyone noticing and they started like understanding what this payment system is. And they basically tell these boys, like, now you need to do something for us. I want my own cryptocurrency. And that's basically what happened. They started making um, a work group for them to make their own cryptocurrency in order to try to raise some funds that they needed because now they are blocked from the U.S. banking system. So they needed money. And and that's a way they wanted to eat to uh, to, ra- to be raised. Uh, by creating this other uh, petrol thing. Um, they try several times, they fail all of them, they are going to fail all the, t- all the attempts they are going to try. I'm very sure of that. And the thing is that they basically use it as uh, a way to raise money, but they fail on, on raising enough money. They, they try to do like the like 1 billion, 4 billion thing, and they fail on that. And now they basically use it they have like uh, the petrol right now is not existent, but it is basically a database in our website, which was already existed, existing because it was the way they pay, um, like a food stamp, um, and, and all people help for food and all that stuff. They already have this system working and now they basically turn the uh, currency that you can see. Um, to Petra, but it's, it's, it's a website. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and is the use of Bitcoin in Venezuela now dangerous in any way for the general public? Um, mo- mostly on the extortions and people maybe like trying to prosecute you because they have, they know they ha- you have some devices. There are some governors, politicians that have now publicly tell um, in their websites and in their blog or, or Instagram that they are mining and they are mining and they say it publicly. They don't care about it that okay. those miners have been, uh, seized from people and they run it for the people. Like, like we run it from the government uh, buildings because this is for you people, things yeah. like that. And they say it publicly <laughs> uh-huh. that those are seized. Okay. devices and both and imported by them and anyone else need a permit uh, in order to be able to import them but they don't need it because they basically run the country yeah sure uh-huh. okay so and besides from bitcoin venezuela you've started a project uh, with like more people can you tell us a little bit about it? it's called locha mesh what okay. is, what is it please well, it started as an idea on how, uh, two years ago, um, how people, in this case was, uh, Venezuela, how people will make payments when there is no electricity or internet at all. So in a complete blackout, how will you continue making payments? That's the, the idea of the, of the mesh. So I started, uh, looking up information about mesh network and how they could run on battery and how it could be used to send messages, information, like very long distances in order to be able to make Bitcoin payments on that way. So, but um, the the idea was that there was a huge blackout on electricity in the country for several days, like two weeks or something like that. And even cell towers stopped working. So if you were able to uh, charge your phone, 
you will have like 3G connection, but there is no working cell tower. So you, there is no internet. So, um, the idea was to make a mesh network. I started looking up at a several project and other projects that were making like a fly phone to make, uh, like internet mesh networks that the, 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 the thing is that when we have realized, I, I started looking for people who understand a lot about this. And that's how the team was created with the Locha Mesh team. And it's completely open source. So I, I started looking for open source projects that could make this possible. And there wasn't like any successful one. Uh, all the ones that are like still working is because they are trying to share internet through a mesh network, which in my opinion is something that it's not meant to. So if a mesh network is not meant for you to see like uh, YouTube videos at 4, 4K uh, quality or Netflix, right? But that's what people want to do on, in the, on the internet. But the mesh network that we are working on and we think that it will be used in this harsh situations like um very difficult places or hostile places where there is no internet or the internet is censored um any communication system is controlled like sms um, which are also insecure or calls are tapped so um we think about our mesh network as a more resilient decentralized re- decentralized mesh network that com- that it's a form of devices that you can carry around so they have a battery and they can last for a few days. So you are capable of continue communicating, paying in Bitcoin and lightning network, even if there is no electricity on internet at all in your house or, or in the city, or even if your country is completely disconnected from the internet, the international traditional internet infrastructure for whatever reason, because you are banned or you are in some list of some other country, you will still be able to communicate and send Bitcoin. That's the main idea of the project. If you want to know more about Randy's project, Locha Mesh, then you should listen to episode 42 of the podcast, because there I was talking with him about the project in detail. If you like my show, please subscribe to it in your podcast player and share the episode on social media. You can find all links that were mentioned in the show notes on the website or in your podcast player. You can contact me also on Twitter, LinkedIn or YouTube. Goodbye from Vienna of Wiederhören. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>